Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is not Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if I was around, I would definitely be listening to Inglorious Trexperts, the new podcast from the people who brought you the 430 movie. Check it out, 430movie.com. This is Mark A. Altman from Inglorious Trexperts. And if you like our show, Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love Disco Nights with host Chase Masterson and special guests every week. All new episodes premiere every Thursday night wherever you listen to podcasts. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Hitchcock Week. Welcome! Hey good, guys. Evening. Good, good, <laughs> good evening. Good how, evening. How, how apt. How apropos for Alfred Hitchcock Week. And we're back here with our regular 4.30 uh, movie curator slash programmers slash rancators slash... And more slash. And Kurt <laughs> slash Fox. So. <laughs> Mother! A lot of hurt comfort in this room. Steve, uh, writer-producer Steve Melching. Hello there. Mr. Concept Artist Darren Doctorman. Mr. Concept Artist. <laughs> well, at least I'm not Mr. Sci-Fi. Mr. Sandman. Hi, everyone. And uh, writer-producer Ashley E. Miller. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh, it's it's great to be back here. I mean, talking about one of the great directors in the history of the medium, you know, um, it's interesting because I, I think, not to bash millennials again, but uh, <laughs> uh, the... Um, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, Hitchcock loomed large, not just because of his girth, but because of his his uh, filmography. I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, I remember just being obsessed with Hitchcock. And, you know, I devoured that book, Dark Side of Genius by Donald Spotto. And just mm-hmm. anyone who was interested in movies just knew the work of Alfred Hitchcock backwards and forwards, the master of suspense. And I think part of that was also because he had put himself in all the tra- a lot of the well, trailers. He, he did his he cameos. Was a, he was one of the first real celebrity directors. Right. He was someone who would go on talk shows. He, he, had, he, he marketed had own, himself. Yeah, he had yeah. his own television show, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, where he would introduce. Yeah, you know, he he was a director that the average person, you know, he knew what he looked like and, and his famous like. cameos in most of his. movies. Yes, exactly. And I mean, and when you think about it, how brilliant he was. You know, look at a movie like Lifeboat where it all takes place in a lifeboat. How is Alfred Hitchcock going to do a cameo? And he's in a newspaper ad that <laughs> right, is, right. you know, so it's just, um, you know, and he, he just had so much fun uh, winking at the audience. And, uh, you know, his his movies were light, fluffy confections. And even when they were dark, you know, it was a full meal. And it just, um, and he never missed a meal. And uh, <laughs> Clearly it was, not. Uh, it was uh, he's just, he's so, so you know, and I'm, I'm always amazed when, uh, people aren't as familiar with um, the work of Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, this industry, and particularly suspense mystery, uh, has been built on the back of his genius. Uh, um, I mean, you, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, you know, the whole James Bond franchise was, um, in in a way, that, uh, influenced uh, by North by Northwest. And, um, in fact, there was a time when they were trying to get Alfred Hitchcock to direct Dr. No, or, the, you know, it would have been the first... Um, uh, James Bond, you know, first James Bond movie, and Alfred Hitchcock, you know, ultimately ended up uh, a, a passing on it, and and they, they they was happy because they thought, oh, he'd only do one movie and it would never become a series anyway. But um, just such a, a great guy, and if, if you was, don't know, uh, well, he was brought over from England by David O. Selznick, I believe. That's, that's right. Correct. That's yeah. right to do Rebecca, yeah. because he had been very successful in England. Uh, he started in the uh, Silence, you know, and a lot of his great song work. I believe we saw. What was it? Blackmail in, in um, at Com- uh, Comic Con at, at Telluride at Telluride Film Festival. The silent version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, um, and Saboteur also. We right? saw Saboteur. Yeah, Saboteur. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, Norman uh, Lloyd. Norman Lloyd, who was there, who's still alive. Thank what is he? One hundred two, hundred three. Yeah, yeah. And he spoke about Saboteur, and that was one of the great. I mean, we've seen so many great movies at, at Telluride, had so many great experiences. Uh, I mean, I was there. This was before you started going many, many years ago, and I think. Um, you know, uh, it was um, 
it wasn't Ernie Lehman. I think it was um, Charles uh, Brackett or not, uh, Burnett. Uh, who, who, you know, they did a um, an afternoon with Hitchcock's writers, and they had oh, a couple wow. of the the living writers who um, spoke about his his films, and it was really fantastic. As opposed to the dead writers. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock is here. And it's you know it's funny. I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but. Um, uh, you know, during the Writers Guild strike back in the late 80s, uh, this is when the second season of Star Trek uh, The Next Generation was delayed, much to our chagrin at the time. Um, what NBC did was uh, to program uh, during the strike, uh, they showed old episodes of, um, oh no, they, they used the old Hitchcock introductions to Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which they colorized and used as wraparounds for new episodes. Um, it was either shot in Australia. Uh, or somehow they got around, the, or they were doing the old scripts. I don't remember, but they did a remake of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, but they colorized the original Hitchcock introductions, and uh, that was um, on during the the, the the strike because they everyone was, the networks were so desperate for programming um, during the Rise Girl strike in what was that eighty eight? You know, I remember that vaguely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and speaking of younger people, you know, during my film school days in the eighties, Darren probably remembers this as well. Um, one of the um, uh, m- most famous popular classes in the critical studies program mm. at USC was an Alfred Hitchcock class that I think was done every se- every, every other every semester? other every other semester or every other or every third semester something like that and uh, it was it was I always wanted to take it but it never fit into my schedule but it was an entire class just on Hitchcock an entire semester and they watched pretty much his entire filmography and you know, wow. it just looked amazing. I sat in on it a couple of times to see the films. You audited it? Yeah. <laughs> I just snuck in the back and sat in the back. Um, but uh, it was tremendous. I, I think they still do that show there. I mean, that, that class uh, at USC. I'm not sure, though. Now, that was that Drew Casper? Yes. Or is that, uh, yeah, Dr. Richard Casper. Jewel. Okay, that was... Drew, Kras- Drew Casper, the friendly professor? Yes. The, yeah. the, the Jack LaLanne of film critics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's... it's... <sighs> Uh, you know, it's amazing. There's probably no director that's had more influence on other directors than anyone, you know, other than Hitchcock. I mean, sure, you look at somebody like Brian De Palma, who was literally aping Hitchcock mm-hmm. through his early career with movies like Dress to Kill and um, the Body Double, you know, right. which is totally... Uh, well, he's you know. one of the few directors that's become an adjective. You have a Hitchcockian film, right. like you have a Kubrickian or Spielbergian. And he was so facile. I mean, look, I'm not a huge fan, and we'll get to the movies in a second, of like a comedy like... Um, uh, the trouble with Harry, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but you know he was so willing to push the envelope and and do things uh, that you know other people at the time you know didn't do and you know take risks and and go outside his comfort zone and and it's just um, you know can't say enough great things and there's some beautiful um, Blu-ray box sets uh, you know because of course the library is over a couple of different mm-hmm. studios so Universal has you know beautiful set devoted to some of his movies but then you also have I think there's the, you know Notorious just recently came out on Criterion, uh, Criterion. Um, so anyway we'll, we'll get into that as we get into the films but you know we're here to curate a week of, of, uh, of uh, fantasy theme week of, of movies this week it's Hitchcock week so as always we'll start with you Steve Melching, Monday. What Alfred Hitchcock movie are we going to be watching on Monday? Well, originally I was going to pick a movie that I love, maybe my favorite Hitchcock, and then I remembered that we already talked about it on the show. That's (laughs) North by Northwest. I love that show. And for those of you who who may not recall, this was my pick for um, Movies We're Thankful For Week. Yeah, so if you want to hear us talk about that movie, rewind to Movies We're Thankful For Week. And I will say that would have been my pick as well. (laughs) Or or wait till maybe I pick it. Okay. We'll wait about eight minutes. No. <laughs> so I'm instead going to pick uh, another movie that I've always really loved that can be summed up in uh, one hyphenated word. Crisscross. Oh, yes. Course, Excellent uh, choice. Talking about Strangers on a Train mm-hmm. uh, from 1951. Uh, it was a film that was uh, based on a Patricia Highsmith novel and uh, apparently Hitchcock uh, optioned the rights to that novel uh, uh, via a pseudonym. <laughs> Uh, in order to get it cheap, more cheaply, right? and uh, Highsmith was uh, was apparently upset uh, that when she found out that Hitchcock got her book, and he only she only got like five grand or something. Um, it was initially adapted by uh, Raymond Chandler, 
uh, wrote the first two drafts of the screenplay, um, which, which is the stories about Chandler as a screenwriter in Hollywood are, are legendary. Yes. I mean, he also did early drafts on Double Indemnity, and he was a drunk yeah. <laughs> and a procrastinator, much like uh, so he was a screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently Hitchcock was uh, unhappy with the drafts that he turned in and essentially threw them out and ended up wanted to hire Ben Hecht, but Hecht was unavailable. So he hired his uh, protege or assistant, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, Chenzi Ormond, Mm -hmm. uh, a woman. And she totally did a page one rewrite uh, on this on this script and, and added some of the major elements like the carousel at the end and the, mm. the cigarette lighter. And those things seem so baked into the movie. You wonder what it was like without those. I, I'm just really surprised that this wasn't your pick for Sports Week, the great <laughs> tennis movie that it is. <laughs> well, that reminds me, one of my favorite shots in all of Hitchcock, there's a scene that takes place at a tennis tournament and uh, um, the... Uh, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? The um, Farley Granger character, who's the the uh, guy, who's the tennis player, is in this tennis match, and he <laughs> looks up in this. And during the tennis match, the audience is watching the ball ping pong back and forth, so their heads are turning, you know, left, right, left, yeah. right, except for Robert Walker, <laughs> who is the mm-hmm. stalker, who's staring straight into camera. As the camera slowly moves, I mean, so, so many iconic images, you know, and it's like you could cut a montage, and it's just like it's it's it's, I, it's it, it, you know, it's the same way that that scene in Foreign Correspondent with the umbrellas, you know, mm-hmm. and that that Spielberg aped in Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just so it's so great and so memorable. And you talk about that scene. If you haven't seen Strangers on a Train, you absolutely should. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, like you know, the gist of the story is uh, these two strangers, uh, uh, Farley Granger on a and train, Robert Walker <laughs> meet on a train, and. Uh, and there's, it's clear that something's off about Robert Walker's character, uh, Bruno. He's he's weird, and he starts talking about the perfect. Well, you murder. know why he's weird? He's Charlie X's dad. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Charlie is his darling. <laughs> and he hits on this idea that you know they each have someone in their lives that they would like to get rid of. Uh, he has a, a, an overbearing, terrible father that he wants out of the picture, and. Um, and uh, Farley Granger is in the middle of uh, trying to get out of his marriage, a messy divorce. And uh, he has he's dating a, a senator's daughter and he really wants to be with her. But his wife is making it difficult. Um, so he says, well, you know, you could kill my father and I could kill your wife. And that way there's there'd be nothing. You know, we could create the perfect alibis for ourselves and then we wouldn't have a motive to kill the person, you know, that we're killing. It so, really is a great plan. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, if I was ever going to kill my wife, that's probably what I would do. But I would never do that because <laughs> I love my wife. And, uh, you know, to, to kick off the movie, uh, 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 Robert Walker thinks that um, that they have a deal. So he actually does stalk down uh, uh, Farley Granger's wife and murder her <laughs> and then shows up uh, to to, to uh, confront Farley Granger and say, okay, now it's your turn. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? So the movie kind of takes off from there and it's just a great suspense film. Um, and, uh, you know, it's got a great score by Dimitri Tiomkin, a gorgeous Oscar-winning black and white cinematography. Um and uh, it's just a, a terrific film, uh, and um, it's got great dialogue in it. When the uh, at the end, there's a, a climactic scene with a carousel that's spinning out of control, while the the hero, the uh, the, the the two main characters are fighting it out, and uh, they go, "I want to turn this thing off," and uh, the the cops turn to each other, "Yeah, we got to turn that off." And the uh, the the carousel operator says, "I can do it," and he says, "You, you know." Uh, are you crazy? And he, and, and he starts crawling under. I guess he can make it okay. <laughs> so funny. You know, it reminds me, I, I really miss train movies. You know, it's like, yeah. I miss that era, you know, where people would go across the country on trains and it was all these great trains. Well, North, they Northwest. still do, just not as interestingly. It's not, the Amtrak isn't quite as interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the, the Western Flyer or Did whatever. you see uh, Murder on the Orient Express uh, Which I year? liked. Yeah, yeah, and my daughter you know, and I, I did we, too. we loved yeah. it. I, I thought it was great. And I love that it captured that more elegant... Sufi- that train thing. Well, the, yeah. the Orient Express. <laughs> yes. You like know. Everybody's in one big long room and... 
Well, and, and, and <laughs> they they found uh, Pedro Armand on the on the on that's the, right, the, and Robert Shaw in one of the cabins right. dead. And oh wait, <laughs> no, that's a different one. But no, I, I I thought Kenneth Branagh did a really nice job with that remake. It, it's really entertaining, and it, you know, even though it opens it up with like the 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 the, you know, the requisite action scene, you, you know, it's still. Um, Really well done. But it's, none of them were strangers on a train. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. As it well, turns a, out. There's a, there's a certain tragic element to this movie now, too, and that's the story of Robert Walker. Um, Robert Walker um, went to uh, acting school in New York where he met Jennifer Jones, his uh, who became his wife. And uh, they kind of slowly came up, in, first in radio and then in movies, David O. Selznick speaking of David Oselznick, dis- discovered Jennifer Jones and became obsessed with her and uh, broke up their marriage. It was a really terrible story. And Walker um, kind of spun into alcoholism and depression. And this film was his big comeback. He was a rising star in the early 40s and then kind of hit the skids in the mid to late 40s. Um, but Hitchcock cast him in this role, and it was a big breakout and starring so role for great. him. He's terrific in it. And uh, unfortunately, he died about four to six weeks after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So he was never able to sort of capitalize so on sad. the success. And of course, his but son, at least he got a movie made. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Robert, Robert, Robert Walker, Walker Jr. Jr. Uh, ended up being in Star Trek uh, and is, was the spitting image of his dad. They yeah. exactly the I'm same. I'm glad we're keeping our streak intact. There has been no 430 movie episode where we have not mentioned Star Trek <laughs> at least once. <laughs> Uh, but so, yeah, yeah Strange on the Train. Great. If you haven't seen it, check one. it out. Great movie. Uh, Darren's Ackerman. Oh, yes. It's, it's me. Tuesday. It's me. It is. Tuesday. All right. Well, if it's Tuesday, that must mean it's uh, uh, black and white day. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going with uh, 1960 and Psycho. Oh, excellent choice. You know, it's, it's to some it's the obvious choice, so naturally I have to make it. Never heard of it. Um, <laughs> well, you Tell see, me. it's about this... Uh, Psycho. Um, <laughs> see, when a boy loves his mother very much. You know, we don't call him Psycho anymore. We call him uh, um, um, uh, cha- uh, neurologically challenged. Slash early challenged. It's, uh, you know, it, it's whenever someone mentions a Hitchcock movie, nine times out of ten, someone will think of this film uh, from 1960 starring uh, uh, Anthony Perkins. Uh but ostensibly starring Janet Lee, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was billed as the star of the movie. And she is for the first 20 minutes. Uh, and then she's not. Uh, because it starts out as this, uh, you know, very, uh, very sultry um, uh, mystery about this girl who uh, steals money from her uh, small uh, company, that, uh, 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 real estate company that she works for. And uh, she makes a getaway and uh, winds up in a horrible rainstorm and has to stop for the night at this little uh, motel on the side of the road with a strange old house be- up on the hill behind it. And uh, so she checks into this, uh, you know, little seedy motel, and the uh, the manager there is this uh, young man who seems uh, a little bit twitchy, but, you know, not out of the ordinary. Uh, there's a lot of stuffed animals around everywhere. Not like like fluffies, like yeah. lovies, like I give yeah, to my no, toddlers. But like animals. Yeah. Taxidermy. 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 Yeah. But no, I'm More calling accurately. them stuffed animals because they are. Um, and, uh, Literally stuffed and, animals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, which is uh, why I almost uh, named this for my Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> movie. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Birds. stuffing in it. Um, but uh, and uh, obviously things things happen, bad things. Uh, and we stranger things. We, yeah. <laughs> no, um, and and we we learn that uh, this is a not well gentleman, <laughs> and uh, the mystery. Uh, she, you know, she is. Uh, this is a spoiler. So for all you who don't know the movie and don't, you know, plan on being spoiled, turn down your radio now. <laughs> I'll wait. Can you hear me? Your radio. Okay, good. Turn yeah. down your radio. Your radio. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it back into this, you know, early days. Who knows what evil lurks? <laughs> the no, the shadow does, occasionally. Um, 
But the shadow didn't know what happened to... (laughs) (laughs) Shadow had no idea. Poor Janet Lee, uh, who just wanted to take a shower for crying out loud. (laughs) And uh, bad things happen. And she, uh, you know, she's murdered and uh, put in the trunk of her car, and the trunk uh, and the car is uh, uh, <laughs> dumped in the river. And the uh, we follow along with this uh, investigator named Arbogast, Arbogast, played by Martin Balsam, who incidentally was uh, Stanley Kubrick's first choice for the voice of Hal. I can't mm. imagine how that would have gone because he has a very East Coast accent, very <laughs> yes. gravelly. Can you give us some yeah, idea. Yeah. No, I cannot. Okay. I cannot at all. Even, a, even, even, a little, even I, with my with my great speed, the man of a thousand do it. voices can't do a thousand and one, vo- two thousand and one voices. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but uh, it's and he uh, meets a, a grisly fate in a very interesting sequence that oh, yeah. you'll all love. And uh, there's uh, actual visual effects done in that sh- shot. Which if is, you uh, love murder, if you, you love, love murder, this. you're gonna love Psycho. <laughs> um, but uh, it's you know it's a tour de force in in uh, in mystery and uh, and uh, creepiness and it's a it's a thriller and it's a slasher movie, but with no slashing actually. Uh, it's uh, it's all sort of inferred. Well, well and very, f- very lean and mean because it was made on a, a pretty low budget, as Absolutely. I recall, uh, for television initially, That's right? correct. Yes, Because he had had his, um, uh, you know, he was doing Alfred Hitchcock Presents, mm-hmm. and he did it, he won, you know, this is how groundbreaking he was. You know, he's so ahead of his time. You know, he's done some of the biggest movies of all time, huge successes, and he, he said, and you know. he had just done North by Northwest. Right, he mm-hmm. just did InvistaVision yeah. for MGM, this big, with Cary Grant, and right. even where he said, you know, James Mason. So if, if that was his 1941, uh, the Psycho was his Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. North by Northwest is a little better than 1941. <laughs> no, I'm talking about big, giant, <laughs> right. expensive okay. movie. Right. Um, That's what I'm talking by, about. I don't followed know, it's more like the very post cheap after. That is brilliant. Okay. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Give me a break. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so he did it through his TV, the TV division. And, um, you know, the studio was really reluctant, but you can't say no to Hitchcock because he was talking about violence. And, I mean, he was talking about nudity, you know, right. he was talking about, you know, and, and you have to put yourself in the mind of, you know, the early 60s. You know, it's, it's, there had never been a movie like this. And, the, you know, there was still censorship. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was still, you know, the vestiges of the Hayes Code. And, I mean, th- this was pushing boundaries. You know, and if it had been anybody but Hitchcock, it's unlikely that you know, could have gone away with what he got away with, the right. implied nudity, the, the death of her in the shower. I mean, even then, they couldn't show a toilet in the bath. You know, they, mm-hmm. they showed a toilet in the bathroom. It was very Shocking. controversial, you yeah. know, that, because you hadn't really seen toilets in a bathroom couldn't before. Have a king bed or, you know. Right, you know, and it opens with that sort of saucy scene right. between John the Gavin. The sweaty, sweaty scene between you John know, Gavin and Janet and Lee, which yeah, then... Janet Lee. You know, sort of aped by um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan and Body Heat. Correct. Um, and then it, it's the movie that launched a thousand slasher movies. Right. You know, yeah. which none of which come close to the quality. Of- and of course, the, you know, the famous shower scene where Janet Lee is is murdered um, was very carefully uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Now, Saul Bass did storyboards for it, and later would claim that he directed it, yeah. which is, I'm sorry, it's BS because. Uh, Hitchcock knew what he wanted, and uh, Bass was a wrist, basically. Um, and, you know, there's nothing shameful in that. I've done it myself. But the uh, the amazing uh, uh, capability of showing this horrific thing without showing any blood, really, uh, except maybe, you know, you can argue the last shot of it. Has, Mother, blood! Yeah. Yeah. Um, has some in it. Of course, it's not really blood. It's chocolate, chocolate syrup. <laughs> uh, but it is done so deftly with uh, the the minimum of of cuts, and it's so well done. It's you know obviously the, the film schools is, is tremendous. Yes, yeah. and and of course it, and it's score. it's helped by the score by Bernard Herrmann, uh, which is you know. Iconic, masterful. What yeah. stands out to me about that sequence, and frankly, this this movie in general, is that it really 
Um, it's an exercise that demonstrates the difference between surprise and suspense Correct. in a story. There are so many directors who try to direct movies in this genre who think um, that a shock or a jump um, or what have you is something that's really going to keep the audience engaged, and no. it doesn't. Like um, the ketchup commercials, anticipation is yeah. what is essentially. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, in this movie, our surprise is that Janet Lee is dead. Right. You know, our surprise is that, you know, Norman loves his mother a little too much. Right. But the suspense comes from not that, you know, the, the knife comes out of nowhere. It's because we know it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, we know every time there's a kill, it's going to happen. The, right. the audience superior the audience knowledge knows of the scene, what's going to happen. Exactly. But they and don't know when, they don't know how, and they don't know who next. So they're just hanging there yeah. and they're just waiting. And that's why they call Hitchcock the master of suspense. And it's amazing to me how many directors, filmmakers don't um, understand uh, why that works, the, the primal logic of that, and how you know, Hitchcock would just do that effortlessly in his films. Oh, I'm no longer amazed at how many people don't understand things. He <laughs> <laughs> well, was, was famously described as, uh, you know, uh, directing a scene two different ways about, you know, an assassination right. at a lectern. You know, one, the, 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 the lecturer approaches a lectern and it explodes because there was a bomb hidden in the lectern and it's right. a, it's a shocking surprise and the, the alternative version is you see the bomb ticking ticking down mm -hmm. to to detonation and you don't know you know you're you're like ah oh, get out of there you right. know what's going to But you, know? you must never let it go off right <laughs> you right. know that was what he said you know it's like yeah. you can't then have the bomb go off you know it's funny to to the point that Ashley's making i mean to me one of the most effective scenes in the movie and it's extremely subtle and it's not you know one of the classic scenes you see you know at the AFI tribute is the scene where he's sinking the car with Janet Lee's body in it mm -hmm. and it's going into the swamp and, and he's then watching Stop. And then it stops, yes. and all of a sudden, as the audience, you're we're on his you're side. Yeah. 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 Oh no, my God! You got to take care of that. Yeah. You'll it's get, the, you'll get, you'll get caught. It's, it's the crazy. power it's of POV. It's you yeah. know the yeah. that and Hitchcock was again the master of that. It's whose POV you know are you building a scene around, and just the selection of that can change how we perceive the movie. And Hitchcock, he, he never missed the trick. You know, he always chose perfectly. And I also have to uh, call out one little uh, uh, Easter egg. Um, near the end, we see the police guards, and one of them is Ted Knight. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, From the Norman. Yes. Norman. Oh, yes. Norman. Meanwhile. You know, it's oh, funny. Man. The thing I remember so vividly about, you know, when I was a kid um, was I used to, you know, I was hugely obsessed with Hitchcock after seeing North by Northwest, and my parents wouldn't let me see Psycho. And um, so I would always see the same two scenes on like the AFI tribute to Alfred Hitchcock. Right. Because he famously, remember, never won an Oscar until he won his honorary Oscar. But there were always these tributes and these specials mm -hmm. and that they master of suspense. And they always showed the same two scenes, the shower scene and the uh, the scene at the end where he turns around the chair and we reveal Mrs. Bates and the light bulb and all that. Mm -hmm. And so those are the only scenes I knew. But I, I so had them ingrained. And I finally you know, saw it, I think it was like, I was going to Brown in uh, during the summer in high school, the Brown University, and they, they were screening some movies, and I finally got to see Psycho on the big screen. And it was just a revelation. I'm like, it, it just, I could not believe how good the, this this movie was. And even though it's a movie that so many people, I think, know in their heads, like, even if they haven't seen they it. They think they know it. They think they, they yeah. know it, but there's so much going on. Even the, the stuff at the beginning with uh, Hitchcock's, with Pat Hitchcock, and, you mm -hmm. know, we're, it's total red herring, that whole first 20 yeah, minutes. It's so great. It's so great. And um, just everything about it, except for the Johnny explainer at the end, you know, the exposition, well, the, the Simon Oakland, you know, ba ba do ba 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 You know, it's like, I know, we, you know, looking at our watch, and it's like, uh, but even, you know, the tricks were, you know, when it was first um, released, you know, you cannot enter the theater uh, because then people used to go in and out of theaters right. and with the double bills and, you know, nobody worried about getting there. And, you know, there wasn't reserved seating, right. uh, you know, where you, you, but, um, you know, he's like, no one, absolutely no one will be admitted to the theater for the last shocking 15 minutes. I mean, right. he, he was truly a Barnum and, and Bailey showman, Hitchcock. Yeah. And you miss that in your film directors now, you know, that, 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 you know, quality that Hitchcock had. I mean, he's just remarkable. And a remarkable movie, and you mentioned Bernard Herrmann, and that score is is one of the great movie scores of all time, obviously. And it's not just the famous shower sting that everyone knows; right. it's the driving no. music well, and one, the one of the suspense. the the uh, low basses play a uh, a three note motif, boom, 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 that you hear throughout, and it's in Star Wars. 
It's mm. in Star Wars when Han and Chewie mm. come out of the uh, uh, holding uh, compartments on the on the Falcon, mm-hmm. and that's a little you know Easter egg from John Williams to Bernard Herrmann. One of my my fondest memories when I first came out to California was I was invited to a book signing with Janet Lee at the Bates Motel oh, on, wow. the on the lot. So it was like it was like catering uh, by the motel, and then you know she was signing, and you know right in the shadow of of that magnificent iconic house, mm-hmm. and it was just so great. I felt like wow, I'm really in Hollywood. <laughs> back, this is awesome. Back in the day when I used to work at uh, Universal uh, on a couple shows, uh, I used to uh, take a golf cart and drive up to the uh, Psycho House and have lunch in the in the Psycho House <laughs> just to hang out. That's so <laughs> cool. It was it was until such mother a great threw you time. out. Where did you keep the bodies? You'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great pick for Tuesday. So now Wednesday, hopefully we're going to have a real cloak and dagger for uh, for Wednesday. Um, it's Psycho the Empire two. Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll be, it's always interesting to see what Ashley E. Miller has to say. So, uh, Ashley, take it away for Wednesday. Well, you know, uh, generally I like to do something different. And with Hitchcock, it's really hard to do something different and kind of out of left field. I will say, though, that... That, that my pick, um, I think, is, is probably one that doesn't necessarily rise to the top of everyone's Hitchcock list, not because it's not as great as his other films, but just because it's a film um, that I think sits outside a little bit of, of how we normally consider um, Hitchcock as a, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. Um, I have always admired Hitchcock. I mean, just intellectually admired him as a watcher of film, as a filmmaker, as a writer, um, I've always appreciated what he is able to do and the, and the tricks that he pulls and how deftly he pulls them. Um, the first Hitchcock film I ever loved was also the first Hitchcock film I ever saw in a theater. Um, I saw it at uh, the Arclight AFI, um, 40 Feet High, To Catch a Thief. Mm. Oh. It's a beautifully made movie. It is so much fun. Um it's incredibly elegant. Uh, it stars Cary Grant, mm-hmm. Grace Kelly. It is literally impossible for that movie to be more beautiful than it is. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that as much as um, you can see the DNA of North by Northwest in the Bond films, I think there's quite a bit of To Catch a Thief in there, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make the argument that, um, that, that Bond is a literary device in the way that, that he worked in the minds of, um, of his, his audience, uh, kind of informed uh, To Catch a Thief, um, simply because it's, you know, you're in these exotic locations with these beautiful people doing these amazing things, the very charming hero. Uh, the plot of this movie is, it's, it's dirt simple and brilliant. Cary Grant plays an infamous cat burglar. Um, who John Roby? John Roby, the cat, the cat, uh, who has retired from being a cat burglar. He's retired uh, to the French Riviera, but a string of burglaries seems to point to the cat's return. Now Roby knows that he's innocent, right? Even though his buddies—he used to be a member of the French Resistance—even though his buddies from the Resistance um, all believe that it's possible that he may in fact be the cat, mm-hmm. so. Roby sets out to prove his innocence by catching the cat in the act. And he makes a list of who are all of the wealthy people who are visiting the Riviera now. And he's going to stake them out and he's going to find the cat. And he's going to uncover um, the, uh, the, the, this person who's basically ruining his life by <laughs> casting this, this light back on him. And he winds up in, um, in a bit of a love triangle, one that he doesn't quite expect, one that's a little bit awkward. Um, first, Grace Kelly who is the daughter of uh, one of the one of the people on the list. So he is someone uh, on some level he's trying to protect but at the same time, you know, he's completely infatuated with her. But who wouldn't be? Who would not be? <laughs> My god. I mean, 40 feet high. Uh, it just it's almost overwhelming looking at Grace Kelly. You can't even believe it. You understand how she became, you know, Princess Grace. Like it just it's she's amazing. Um and then there is the daughter uh, of uh, of one of his friends, who is basically in in love with him, a little bit obsessed with him, but like not like in a in a creepy way. It's but uh, how their relationship those those three um, relationships evolve, um, how Roby deals with them is really what drives the film forward to a reveal in the third act uh, when he finally catches this imposter, this other cat that's just that's just perfect. 
Yeah, it's such a great movie. And, you know, there's a lot of location filming on the French Riviera. And you got to remember the time air travel was something only for the super rich. So it was a chance to experience the world in a way that people didn't really get to. And a lot of movies until that time were really confined to studio sets and, you know, maybe an establishing shot. shot. I mean, this, it's just, it's in rich color and it just envelops you. And, and you get to see Hitchcock sitting in the back of a bus. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and, I mean, two of the most beautiful people to ever walk the earth, Carrie Grant and Grace Kelly. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so entertaining and so much fun. And you're absolutely right. You know, would I put it, is it my top Hitchcock movie? Is it my top five? Probably not. But it's like just wildly entertaining, you know, super confection. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's glamorous and exciting and, and still is super suspenseful. And it, it, it leans into everything we see France, you know, the striped shirts and the red berets and it just, it's great. What, what do you, what do you, what do you think, Steve? Are you big, are you big, big fan of To Catch a Thief? Oh, no, I like it. I, I, it's it's a little dim in my memory because uh, to be honest, it's been about fifteen or twenty years. Dim. Since I've Grace seen Kelly it. was luminous. <laughs> right. 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 luminous. Sumptuous. It was sumptuous. Yeah. When she uh, was... No, I. I uh, it's what my uh, my erstwhile writing partner. It's one of his favorite films, and uh, you know, I I got a chance to see it on a big screen as well uh, at, at a revival, maybe at the Egyptian or something, and uh, it's it's super entertaining. It's a really entertaining fun film and and I have fond memories of it but they're a bit dim I'm always, <laughs> I'm always surprised when he throws one straight down the middle you know yeah. which is why he's such a good pitcher we're all dumbfounded he's always yeah. you know hitting the corners with his, his throws and like you know so you're always chasing him and this one like whoosh, right this down is, the middle <laughs> this is the change up yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a, it's a great choice and all the French character actors who are in it and yeah. like you said the Hitchcock cameo and you know it's not one of my favorite Hitchcock scores um, but uh, it's serviceable it's serviceable it, it gets the job done and the dialogue by the way is really great it's really just sharp and spot on it plays to everything that is great about Cary Grant you know who and if you you know I mean when I think about Cary Grant of course you know I think about his girl Friday but like the reason why I think about that is just that man's ability to just snap off the dialogue but without making it feel like it's it's artifice like he really is being a character now sometimes that character is essentially Cary, Cary Grant um, but you, but you believe this guy. You know he is. He's everything that you that you want him to be. He you would know, have been an amazing Bond. You know, I'm not like somebody who's into royal, the royal family and all that. But you know, you you watch Grace Kelly, and you sort of understand all these people who are obsessed with Princess Diana and you know the people's princess. You know, it's like Grace Kelly. You know, is one of the most beautiful women ever. You know, ever to walk the earth, as I said, and yet. You know, she seems just very like down to earth, and um, she's super funny and just smart, and 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 is able to be you know self-deprecating, and you kind of see and apparently wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. that was that was yeah, and and, and but you really? can see why she ended up becoming you know the princess of Monaco, yeah. and and then giving up her whole career, and you know in a way it's sort of sad because you think, oh my God, had she not given up her career to become princess of Monaco. She'd still be alive, but she wouldn't have been in that car accident. Yeah, but uh, she would have aged in front of our eyes. In yeah, movies. but I think it would have been nicer if she had a full life. <laughs> then <laughs> you were able to maintain the illusion others, of eternal others, beauty. Others would argue that she lived a full life in the short time that she had. And and you know you think because there are other movies that Hitchcock wanted her for, but she said, "Look, I'm retired. I'm no longer right. you know acting because I guess part of that was Prince Rainier who didn't want her." But, uh, you know, just uh, look, the time that we had her and I mean, there are a couple movies we haven't mentioned that she's in that I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but, uh, you know, she's just and she was a great actress. You know, there are a lot of these, um, you know, these actresses that we remember, you know, these these, you know, just, you know, beautiful uh, and, you know, actors, too. Um, but, um, you, you know, what they were like Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner was one of the oh, uh, gorgeous, but not a great actress. Great. Right. Grace Kelly. You know, had it all, and she right. had something behind the eyes. Right. Yeah. She went toe to toe with Cary Grant. Right. Yeah. 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 And and just great supporting performances, and just a, a wonderful movie. So, well, that... and you mentioned this, this this the photography. I just wanted to point out the cinematographer was was Robert Burks, who was the mm. same cinematographer from Strangers on a Train, and right. actually I think did something like fourteen or fifteen of Hitchcock's films. A very frequent collaborator. It's Robert Burks week on the fourth movie. <laughs> um, and you know, it's something we should do because um, the ASC is celebrating the American Society of Cinematography is celebrating its hundredth anniversary. Mm -hmm. We should probably do a week some point at some point on. Uh, 
you know, the best looking movies of all best shot, uh, you know, great cinematography week or something. Visions of Light. Um, overrated <laughs> week on the 430 movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't speaking as a member of the art department that never gets credit for stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Arr, the cat indeed. Oh, um, dear. So Thursday, it <laughs> falls to me. And uh, look, you're going to be pleased to know I have one pick. <laughs> one pick only. One, one, one pick, pick only, only. please. <laughs> one ping. <laughs> I look for, for 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 you know, and you you said it before. I mean, it might have been North by Northwest had I not already picked it a couple weeks ago. Uh, but th- this was an easy one for me. I know me. it is. Me too. Do you? Go ahead. I don't. Yeah, go. I'm in suspense. <laughs> I'll be surprised. It's uh, Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman, and Claude Rains. In Notorious. Oh, wow. I love I this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. That was my runner-up, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, it, it, it is incredible. You know, sometimes you read these people. I know there was a, 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 you know what they talk about. Oh, black and white movies are so old-fashioned and the acting and all. You know, these people should have their heads examined. This is the most modern, contemporary, edgy, twisted, dark messed up movie yeah. I, you know i can think of i mean because when you really think about it it takes place during world war ii and um uh, basically um ingrid bergman's uh father um had been working with uh, the nazis down in south america uh on their heavy water experiments mm-hmm. and uh you know she hangs out with a lot of germans and and german expatriates and you know sort of not the the greatest greatest people in the world and so uh cary grant uh tries to recruit her to go undercover you know in claude range's organization down in south america and she's you know she's just this ne'er-do-well uh um, bon vivant she's sort of like a kardashian you know and um you know and and basically snake necked aliens from star trek (laughs) (laughs) no this is the one non-star trek oh okay and um and so he, he he recruits her and basically falls in love with her but that doesn't keep him from basically forcing her to have i mean it's implied have sex with claude rains and 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 manipulate him and ultimately marry him to 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 uh um you know and Cary grant's put in this really you know this this horrible position where he has to continue to pretend that he doesn't care about her to get her to um do what she needs to do but at the same it's so dark and mm-hmm. twisted and uh, he's amazing and uh, she is incredible and it's just brilliantly shot. There's that great shot where she wakes up with the worst hangover of all time and she opens her eyes and you see in that Dutch camera angle the silhouette of Cary Grant in the, the door frame, you know, right when he's about to recruit her and, and uh, for, um, you know, to, to work for the government. And they have all these um, recordings. She's pretending that, you know, she's sympathetic to the Germans and her dad, but really she believes in America. And uh, it's just... Um, Kind of so suspenseful. One of the great endings of any Hitchcock movie. Um, Claude Rains is fantastic. And of course, you know, in terms of those virtuoso Hitchcock set pieces, there's a scene where she has to go into the wine cellar get um, to find, uh, you know, they're looking for this, you know, MacGuffin, the uranium ore, and uh, steals the key from Claude Rains during a party. And the camera is just tracking around and, you know, comes off of... Um, you know, uh, you know, to the key it finds the key, and um, then they have to pretend that when they get caught, uh, and 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 you know what they're going to do, and you know, Cary Grant grabs her and kisses her. I mean, it's it just so many great scenes in the movie. It's so brilliantly written and uh, Hecht. shot. Uh, yeah, Ben Hecht, Ben Hecht wrote it. Who later would write a draft of Casino Royale for uh, producer Charlie Feldman oh. when it was still going to be a serious version, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the last things he did before he died. Um, he he died two days before he turned in a rewrite. Oh wow! It's one way to get out yeah. of a deadline. Um, and uh, if you're a real writer, he would have finished it first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but just I I can't say enough good things about Notorious. Like I say, it's not only one of my favorite Hitchcock movies; it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and and uh, and an easy pick for. Well, Hitchcock week. It, it kind of started as a David Selznick uh, production. Uh, Selznick was trying to develop it and, and own the underlying story rights. I, th- I think it was based on a serial story that was uh, published in a magazine. And yeah. um, 
he uh, gave it to Hitchcock. He was having trouble cracking it and gave it to Hitchcock. Hitchcock started working on it, and uh, there was a little bit of a dance, like, will he or won't he? And I think he ended up selling his rights uh, to Hitchcock or to RKO. Well, and, you know, it's kind of like only Cary Grant could get her away with playing such a, a bastard and still be likable. Because, I mean, the things he's making her do, you know, uh, and and, st- and still you're sympathetic to Cary Grant. And, you know, there's such a self-loathing that all the characters have, whether it's Ingrid Bergman or um, Alicia, you know, Alicia, Ingrid Bergman's Alicia or Cary Grant's Devlin. Um, you know, they both... Um, they both hate it, they hate themselves for what they're doing, but you know, uh, it's it's the things we do for our country, you know, and and uh, to stop the Germans and and it, you you can't say enough good things about Claude Rains in this movie, and then all the supporting actors, you know, his mother, the mm. the, the, the 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 very stern German mother, you know, who's terrifying, more terrifying than probably any horror boogeyman, and um, you know that group. That is, you know, so threatening. There's such a a menace and that hangs over this movie, you know, in that third act. It's just, it's really, it's 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 it's, it's really great. And then when they they're on to her and start to poison her, it's it's oh, it's such a great movie. I, I want to go and watch it right now, just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Thursday. So, so that's that Thursday. Us Friday. It brings Friday. So many choices, oh, isn't my it? Gosh. Day five. Day five. What, what to do? What to do? I I I want to throw one out because it's the you know, because it's the back side of the week, I'm going to go with a uh, rear window. <laughs> because it's the back side of the week, you want to go with rear window? You know, that was a, that, that was a close a second for me also, rear window. That's, uh, that's terrific. That's number two uh, second uh, pick for me because I, I love it. It's uh, it's so, um, so it's so simple. Yeah. yeah it's so but, simple. But it's but it's it's brilliant and it it uh, raises questions well what would you actually do if you were in this situation and it's it's so well done jimmy stewart is amazing um and of course uh, grace kelly uh, grace kelly again and raymond burr well raymond burr is really weird yeah <laughs> really weird in yeah. it well um, and and from a production design standpoint oh it has God. that magnificent set yeah which one of the great movie sets of all time? Absolutely, all done on a soundstage. All done on a soundstage, yeah. and all self-contained. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, I don't know. You know, you have to be a certain age, but you know, a Rear Window is one of uh, five movie Hitchcock movies that were out of circulation for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, that the estate owned. That I guess Universal did. So. Um, they weren't in circulation in the late '80s. It was they made a big deal. They were re- they were already released. The first of them to be re-released in theaters was Rear Window, and I remember going to see that and just being I had never seen it, and it hadn't been available, and even you know home video or even on the repertory circuit, and it came and I was just blown away. I was yeah. like, oh my god, this movie! And in fact, my mom took me to see it in Manhattan. It was like unlike The Hunger. This was a <laughs> totally appropriate film to watch with my mom. And uh, this only has murder in it. It only has Rand <laughs> Raymond Burr, but. Uh, <laughs> It was um, well, you know, and it is a little saucy because the stuff between oh, Jimmy Stewart and Grace is. Kelly oh, is yeah. like really racy. Yeah, um, if he weren't in a cast, she would be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and talk about suspense. I mean, the scene where you know he's in his oh my god, he's got his broken leg up in his apartment while she's she's sneaking, sneaking into around. the he's the, another the suspected jerk. Making her sneak yeah. around. Well, and, what's he supposed to do? Well, she almost yeah. yeah he, while he's watching through his telephoto yeah. lens. Oh, my I mean, god. it's. Tr- it's incredible. The yeah. suspense is wonderful. And it's a great simple premise. I mean, that's one thing that I think is common to almost all of Hitchcock's films. They've got a really great simple premise that comes back to that question that you asked, which is, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Um, he was great at putting the audience in that position and asking them that question. Um, and it's amazing to me. I think Rear Window has probably been um, remade um, "Quote unquote remade or homaged, like more than any other." Well, it was literally film. remade as Rear Window with Christopher Reeve for right. television. I right. believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there were a million ripoffs of, yep. of it. Um, it's just again brilliantly right. shot. Great trailer, you yeah, know. And, the, and talking about characters being smart. I mean, when the killer is coming to to get. Jimmy Stewart. Right. I mean, what are you going to do? You're trapped in an apartment. You got a broken leg. He right. turns the lights out and uses the camera flash yes. to yeah. blind this guy. Yeah, yeah. It's 
it's so clever. And that influenced a really another great suspense thriller, which is not a Hitchcock film. Uh, Terrence Young's Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, that scene like really influenced. And that, boy, that's such a great scene where Jimmy Stewart is yet totally debilitated, but has to fight off this menacing, hulking Raymond, Raymond Burr. And, uh, you know, just... The Incredible Burr. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bruce you, know, you have Thelma, Thelma Ritter in there and just like so right. many again a, a rich tapestry of supporting performances which Hitchcock always was great at casting these um, you know great supporting characters it's, it's such a great movie so um, oh, I think that is definitely a front That's runner a for Fry contender. a strong contender let's just throw out some other movies that are potentials look I know uh, it's it's recently been acclaimed as the greatest movie of all time I don't agree with that uh, Vertigo. I love Vertigo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can, I think I. I don't understand that perception yeah. of it. Yeah, I it's, it's very good, but you it's, know what? There's it's, it's the missionary position Hitchcock. of Hitchcock yeah. movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everybody can like it, sure. and it's fine, and it gets yeah. you there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I think there's much, much that's wonderful about Vertigo, including oh, yeah. Kim Novak in a dual mm-hmm. performance. But I, I don't think it's it's. It's a great film, no yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, it's not my favorite Hitchcock. It's probably not even my top three or four. I heard voices telling me not to pick this for Friday. Um, <laughs> well, I want to throw out one that uh, it's. I don't yeah. think it's one of his greatest films, but uh, I have a, a some affection for it. And I have a little personal connection to it, and that's uh-huh. The Birds, mm-hmm. okay. which is a, f- a fun uh, movie. My my uh, connection to that is uh, the um, the diner that's featured in the film was yeah. owned by a family member of mine up yes. in uh, Bodego Bay. So there's a commercial. Yeah. Uh, uh, My grandmother's uncle, I believe, owned that. Um, And in exchange for Hitchcock being able to shoot there, I don't think they shot in it, but they shot in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, he had to appear in the film. So Mm. my, I don't know what he is, my great uncle or (laughs) whatever, he's in the movie – uh, getting off a boat, but Hitchcock staged it so his back is always to camera. Oh, that's, oh, that's so funny. You see him in profile briefly. <laughs> his name was Mitch Mitchell Zankich. Nobody tells and, me who uh, to put in the movie. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll I, show I, you. Who's it? You. You know the the, the 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 lead thanks him. You know thanks Mitch. <laughs> that's that's that, that's great. I, yeah. I love the birds mainly because uh, it it freaks me out on every level. I I hate birds the way <laughs> Indy hates snakes. Okay. Um, so watching that movie for the first time, it just, it was my worst nightmare come to life. Although the thing that strikes me about it is always like those two little, are they finches that are in the cage that are just sweet and all they do is sing. And like, and at the end, it's like you sort of have them and you can't leave them. There's, there is something about the birds that is, um, I mean, on some level, it's all just surreal weirdness, but there's something apocalyptic yeah, about it. Um, in a in a in a good not overly indulgent way mm-hmm. um, that I that I dig, but uh, I I think it's cool. Plus all the stories about Tippy Hedren and Hitchcock and how much they loved each other. <laughs> I don't love the birds, but I do love that classic scene where Tippy Hedren is sitting there and the birds the start park. to oh, land yes, on yeah. the, the yeah. playground structure, and then suddenly more and there's more and three more. Three birds, and then there's eight birds. And it's yeah. really and funny. That's pretty much where I exit the room. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, thinking about that scene made me think about, I want to throw a- Oh, wait, a, let, let, let me just mention one, let me mention one thing about the birds again. Okay. That I, I have a, a connection with it as well. Oh. Because one of my uh, early mentors, Harold Michelson, uh, was the storyboard artist on oh. this, and he oh, well. came up with a lot of these scenes oh, cool. with uh, with Hitchcock. Isn't and, that cool? Yeah. And so, Harold Michelson of Star Trek The Motion Picture That's family. correct. I had no idea you worked with him. Well, I never actually worked with him, but because he was uh, very active in my union, right. in the Illustrators uh, Guild, um, he would be at meetings all the time, and he, he taught me how to back project from a plan and elevation and, and all sorts of stuff, and he was, you know, I, I got He's to know him. He's a real mentor to you. Yeah, I got to know him pretty well. That's fantastic. I, I, I had no idea. You yes, learn sir. all kinds of new things on the show, even about your friends. Um <laughs> So, you know, look, I have a really crazy out there pick for Friday, okay. you know, and I originally I was, I was, you know, obviously going to throw out things like Hitchcock's favorite movie, Shadow of a Doubt, great right. movie, Joseph right. Cotton, Teresa Wright, love it, not my pick, um, Saboteur we talked about, mm-hmm. Norman Lloyd, that great scene on the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> but you know, everyone knows that scene, but the whole movie's great, you know, you know, for modern audience, it might be a little tough, a lot of rear, rear dodgy rear projection stuff, but so what, it's a great movie. 
and with great set pieces. It really is the the proje- the, the test run for North by Northwest. North right. by Northwest is better. Saboteur was, is was the that one that he had remade from a silent was Saboteur. No, no, that was no, Sabotage. 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 <laughs> you say Saboteur, <laughs> I say Sabotage. Um, but here's a crazy pick for Friday. You okay. ready? All right. Yeah. This is crazy, guys. So bear with me. Don't make fun of me. High anxiety. Dude. This was ah. Mel Brooks's parody ah. of Hitchcock. Ah. I, I literally it was not in my notes. I just thought of it when mm. you were talking about the verse. And I'm like, what a great way to because Hitchcock loved it. Yeah, you I know, love and high and it parodies all the Hitchcock mm-hmm. tropes. The birds and you know has that right. great you picking up the luggage. I got it. I got it. I don't got it. <laughs> um, and, and it's yeah, one of those movies that's sort of. I mean, growing up, it was like. We all knew that movie. We loved that movie. It was super fun. And it seemed, you know, now when people, and, people know Young Frankenstein, they know uh, Blazing Saddles, but I feel like High Anxiety is not as well known. And Barry Levinson as the paper boy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Chorus Leachman yeah. is in it as well. And uh, Harvey Corman. And um, it's just, uh, and it, it parodies the whole wrong man uh, mo- motif of the Hitchcock mm-hmm. movies. Uh, with Mel, you know, Mel, uh, Mel Brooks being uh, uh, accused of a crime he didn't commit uh, in that hotel, which seems so right. futuristic at the time. Uh, I just think and it, the you big know, company engulf and devour. <laughs> it seems oh, no, like that's a silent movie. I'm I mean, sorry. Look, I, I, Rear Window is a masterpiece. High Anxiety is not a masterpiece, but it feels like it might just be the cherry on top for I, an amazing week of I Hitchcock. Could, I could go. I could go that direction. I love the idea of High Anxiety. I think part of the Helping people find movies they've never seen is our mission. That's what this that's podcast, what we're, that's, podcast that's why we're let about. Let me help will about. even replace the words, I love okay. you one day. Um, no, I, I love it, man. I think, uh, I, I'm trying to imagine when else we would put a movie like High Anxiety like on our on our list. And maybe there would be, because I think we all love it. Mel Brooks but, Week. But, uh, Mel Brooks Week. Did, like, but, week but, but this is kind of like, great. Right. It's kind of a great little, little button. I like that idea. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, I just want to throw out like Rope. I was always a fan mm-hmm. of Rope, and it's it's often kind of dismissed as a gimmick, gimmick movie, movie because yeah. it's done. It's the famously done in a single shot where the the cuts Ish. are right. disguised. Yeah, before um, digital, back before when you, digital, you actually had a these before giant Star cameras. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, <laughs> I finally Man, saw it on a big screen and uh, for the first time years mm-hmm. ago, and I went into it expecting it to be this lightweight gimmicky movie and I thought it was super suspenseful I really liked it didn't they actually shoot that in three days just like when they just going through yeah but they rehearsed they rehearsed they rehearsed well it's based on a play well the Leopold and Loeb case and then um, Rope was sort of the fictionalized version of that it's a very audacious movie it's not in my top tier Hitchcocks but I get what you're saying yeah yeah it deserves better it deserves better it was sort of law of diminishing returns when those five movies came out because you had Rear Window which was amazing then Vertigo which was amazing then then I think Rope was the third movie they showed. This is those films when they were being reissued, and then it was Trouble with Harry. Oh, and Man Who Knew Too Much, the remake. Mm-hmm. Those were the, like the five films that got reissued in the '80s. You know, that finally the estate after Hitchcock died. Um, Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, Rebecca. Re- Rebecca, the uh, um, Thirty Nine Steps, mm-hmm. Lady Vanishes. I mean, Dial M for Murder. <laughs> Dial M for Murder. It's better in 3D, actually, the way it was meant. <laughs> um, but it's Grace Kelly again, yeah. and 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 Ray Milland, Sari Yuri. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, and who you know who else is in it? That I why another reason I really like Dylan for Murder, although it's not one of my favorite Hitchcocks, but it's. Um, oh God, what's his name? The guy from Doctor No, the 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 the, the, the second. Uh, God, he he he's just this slimy guy. He he's the guy who's hired to do the murder who Grace Kelly inadvertently kills when he's supposed to kill Grace Kelly. God, what's his name? I don't remember. Anyway. Well, anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. So I, know, other I choices. Liked, I like the high anxiety I, idea. I, 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 I liked say. it too. Yeah. High anxiety. I mean, Fine. who would have thought Rear Window would be toppled I, by you know, high anxiety? Well, you should, if you haven't seen Rear Window, you should definitely see it. Yes. Uh, watch it on Saturday. You should see all of these films. <laughs> yes. like, that's the beauty of the show. You just never know what crazy pick we're going to come up with. And Fridays, it turned out to be a pretty wild ride for us over the over the episodes. But I think that's a great Hitchcock week. So um, uh, Monday, strangers on a train. Tuesday, sicko, uh, psycho, <laughs> sicko. Uh, Wednesday, to catch a thief. Thursday is notorious. And on Friday, on Hitchcock week, it's Mel Brooks, <laughs> high anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> so, on behalf of Steve Melching, Darren Doctorman, 
Ashley E. Miller, myself, Mark A. Altman. Thanks for joining us for 430 Movie. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new theme week. And uh, if you enjoyed 430 Movie, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, it really helps bring new viewers or a new audience to the show. And, of course, listen to our sister podcast, Inglorious Trexperts. Uh, which is uh, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and uh, Disco Nights, uh, which is a podcast devoted to Star Trek Discovery, uh, and as well as our, our new show, Best Movies Never Made, with uh, Jodorowsky Dune producer um, Steve Scarlatta taking you on a tour of some of the great films that never saw the light of a projector bulb. So again, this has been the 430 movie. We'll see you next week. Eyewitness News starts now. Good evening. Good evening. This episode is brought to you by Toshi Station for all your power converter needs. Ask for Fixer. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.